Previously.tv Podcast Network. Well, come on, Gretchen. Let's be real. Something's rotten in the state of Denmark. I mean, the timing on this could not be worse. So whatever momentum the president had, psh, just like air going out of a pop balloon. <laughs> This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 108 for the week of March 7th, 2016. I am car rental bargainer David T. Cole, and I'm here with feckless vice president Sarah D. Bunting. I'm a heartbeat away from nervous gas. Carpetbagger Joe Reed. Hey, y'all. Truth-telling <laughs> matriarch Tara Ariano. I hope he dies. And murderous chief of staff Kim Reed. All I need is a drinking glass. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back, and welcome back to our esteemed colleague, Kim Reed. Hey, guys. Yay! Who is back to talk about House of Cards with us. House of Cards dropped uh, last Friday, as Netflix tend to do. They uh, dumped the whole season at one time, so this is your official... Spoiler warning for the show generally, and particularly if you are not up to episode four of season four yet, bail out now, go straight to the next segment, do not pass go, do not collect Doug Stamper. Here is your official sound drop to alert you. Spoilers a ho, fun ahoy. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. I forgot what it was. Uh, this is <laughs> House of Cards season four official spoiler warning. How about that thing that happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bitch got aired out. Yeah. I, I, all I saw was like tweets um, early, fairly early in the day on Monday. Like people really got into it fast that were like, holy shit, episode four. And I was like, what could it possibly be? And like the fact that it was a shooting was not that big a shock. The fact that it was Lucas Goodwin doing the shooting, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. They, I mean, I'm not sure that they, um, necessarily did the lead up with that that I would have expected because where I thought that whole subplot was going was that um, Underwood understood that he was uh, like losing on every possible front Mm -hmm. and had arranged for someone to try to assassinate him yeah Mm -hmm. and fail so that he would get like sympathy in the polls which worked for a while and then spoiler didn't (laughs) that's what happened on Scandal right didn't the almost the exact same thing happen on Scandal, or was that not a setup job? I, I no, that was a setup job. Fitz, I don't. Fitz didn't know about it, right? But yeah, yes, right. that was. A setup. I have not actually watched all the way to the end. It could be revealed that it was a setup job, but I sure. feel like the show isn't so subtle that they wouldn't have um, intimated that by now. Yeah, um, but I'm really enjoying the fourth season. It's totally. It's like. Um, popcorn like at the ballpark it's not good popcorn but you just keep eating it and like once there's enough of it stuck in your teeth you're like fine i'll just keep eating this whole box like i'm (laughs) stuck here there's nothing else to eat um like it seems really satisfying and you really can't stop eating it but then at the end you feel kind of ill because you just ate an entire box of popcorn (laughs) i gotta i'm gonna disagree with that i think season one and season two of health of cards were a lot of fun in that sort of you know, what's happening next. And when he got to the presidency, I thought the show kind of slowed down um, and sort of settled into what I call slow scandal. Whereas (laughs) everything that happened in season three and up to season four probably would have been handled in about three episodes of scandal, I think. And the show really like, isn't much better than scandal. Like it put on, it puts on airs, 
but it's sort of the same show. It is the same show. Um, oh, yeah. And it yeah, just, it's totally it's the same a, show. It's a slower burn. And that's fine. And, you know, I enjoy the president in House of Cards much more than I enjoy the president in Scandal. Duh. But Ugh. how could you not? <laughs> I think, like, the best part of the journey was him getting to the presidency. And that might have been a better call to make that sort of the end of the series and sort of explore more of the journey towards there. Because once he got there, the things that he could do aren't quite as fun. You know, all, all, all the well, kind the of... whole business with America Works last season was just so well, last fucking season, boring. Well, last this season... This is a huge improvement over season three, For in sure. my opinion. Agreed. I was quite yeah, I concerned. That is true. But um, I think it's still one and two are, are the seasons that, that uh, stand out for me. Well, speaking of scandal, since Kim covers that quite ably as well for us on Previously.TV, what, how, are, how are they stacking up for you, Kim? Um, I would say uh, now I'm, I've watched through episode, um, I don't know, eight, nine, ten. It all blurs together after a <laughs> while. I'm somewhere exactly. in there. Um, and I would say the first half of the season up through – the shooting and recovery. Um, I was kind of bored. Like I was, I'm covering, I covered episodes five and six for the site. So I had to watch at least that far. <laughs> and um, I, if I weren't covering it, I don't know that I would have watched them or at least watched them so quickly. But I will say that once they get into the Democrat versus Republican race for the presidency and they introduce the Republican candidate, who right. I think is called Dunbar, um, no, the Dunbar show got a lot. The, Dunbar is Elizabeth Marvel. Oh, not Dunbar. Con- Conway. Um, Conway. Yes, yes Will Conway. Conway. Yes. And his once they introduce life. Oh my god. Yes. So once they terrible. introduce him and his wife and their kids, and contrast that with Frank and Claire, and Frank and Claire are always shot in like grays and blacks, <laughs> and the Conways are always it's like a magazine shoot every day in their house. <laughs> um, I found that a lot more interesting to watch, or at least more compelling. Um, whereas Scandal has to, I think because it's a weekly show and it's not on Netflix, they have to do something to try to bring you back next week. Almost every episode, they have some sort of, you know, cliffhanger to try to bring you back the next week. This show doesn't really need to do that with each episode because Netflix will just start the next one, whether you're ready or not. (laughs) (laughs) So it's more passive where you have to stop it as opposed to Scandal, where you know, it's more active. Um, so... I don't know. I, I Like I said, I f- have found the second half of the season more compelling, but I don't know that I would have continued to watch the first half if I didn't have to. I'm so excited to hate Joel Kinnaman and his horrible wife, who I fucking hated on the Astronaut Wives Club, too. Oh, boy. <laughs> I hated you her are, so much You are in show. for whatever the opposite of a treat is. They're so <laughs> annoying. Excellent. They are. They That's, are. That was like perfect catnip hate casting for me personally. Like, it feels, I've, I take it very personally, and I am grateful for it. Do you guys feel like this show does that a lot, that they that they cast that way to make, to sort of force you into rooting for Frank even though any normal like any in any normal situation you wouldn't who else are you thinking of I well I don't know because I've bailed out of every season so early like, <laughs> so you're just philosophically asking I was well a little bit well I watched because I watched the first two episodes and like Molly Parker's an actress that I like and I was sort of ex- you know interested in her but then the so little much bit more of for I, you yeah well the little bit that I saw of her in this in this season I was just like oh okay so she's sort of one of these people who sort of she's a weak politician and she has like 
sex hangups and whatever, and she's needy with uh, Mahershala Ali's character, who I can't remember what Remy. his name Remy. is. Remy. Remy Danton. Right, yeah. Um, and so I was just like, oh, okay, so this is sort of what they do then, is they take characters who I might have been like predisposed to rooting for and make them kind of like pathetic and kind of awful. Well, I'll tell you, the casting of uh, Mara, what's her name? Kate, Kate Mara. Mara. Kate Mara, yeah. Uh, I you know, didn't mind it when she... Uh, Nope. Right. Caught nope. the train. Meanies. Meanies. <laughs> she, uh, uh, so, the train versus face. Yeah, there might be something to that, Joe. Um, well, trying to I have remember a question. Who else? Oh, uh, Corey. Uh, Corey Stoll. Corey Stoll. Yeah, I think He's, you're onto something, Joe. He was hateable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, Kim, you had a question. Go ahead. Yeah. How do you guys feel about Nev Campbell's character? Because I like her. I like her. And I don't usually I would like Nev watching. Campbell. I was really surprised by how much I liked her. She is she's acts so seldom i feel like the last time i even saw her in anything was when she had like that glorified cameo in that mad Men premiere on the yeah. Yeah. dawn but she's yeah. really good she's i i never thought she would have that kind of iciness in her the scene where she goes to um pay off the guy who's gonna put up the kkk billboard <laughs> she's yeah. like ice she's so good uh i really yeah. I'm, i enjoy her character i hope she gets more to do over the it's interesting to watch season. Sorry. It's interesting to watch her as an adult because, like, even in, like, the Scream sequels, she's still basically playing some version of that teenager. Of Julia. Yeah. 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 Um, So it's like she's she's turned into an interesting, uh, you know, actress as a grown-up, which is cool. Mm -hmm. I liked her until she started to be in much more direct opposition to my Netflix husband, Doug Stamper. And which I was like... (laughs) You know, I keep <laughs> expecting that to like come online, but I think basically like every season we've got to watch Doug fucking disintegrating and then the next season he's still there, which I have no problem with. Like he should be off the show by now. Yeah, His character he, should be dead or arrested. He was the but... one who drew me out, who, who forced me out of last season where that whole episode of him like convalescing, which I think was the season premiere. And I was just like, can't out, can't do this. It's too <laughs> oh, and it, it got so much worse with the mm-hmm. like injecting himself in the mouth with bourbon okay Ugh. i know it's yeah, ju- yeah. <laughs> doug needs therapy <laughs> For i'm willing to give him that therapy in my pants <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i know you're all constitutional lawyers here in the show yes. um you know the three <laughs> yeah. of you that are american uh-huh. but uh can a wife of a president actually run as Vice president. I remember this coming up like back in Clinton days that people would float that as an idea that Hillary could be his running mate. But I'm fairly sure there's some kind of rule on the books that both um, can't both halves of the ticket can't be from the same state. I heard that. I've heard that recently because they were talking about. um, Yeah, they were talking about somebody as a potential running mate for Trump. And Um, they had to rule him out because he was from. And I think that's like a post. I think that's like a reconstruction era yeah. amendment mm. that keeps things from sort of like being centered in one region yeah. of the right. country. Right, right. Although is Claire technically from Texas? Because well, well, she'd have question. to establish residency. Right. right. Which would also be weird for their campaign because then it's right. like, well, we live apart, but we're husband and wife, but and <laughs> we're doing this the for whole, sketchy like, reasons, but please vote for us still. When they're not supposed to be traveling together as president and vice president, yeah. but then... They're yeah. married, although whatever. Well, this is where the show gets into that sort of gray area of we're playing on how a hypothetical situation might really work out. And yet, like, we're not supposed to notice that, like, there's no way a State of the Union would carry off where 
this the first lady is giving like icy glares through the whole thing like there's no way that wouldn't become a giant thing do you know what uh, i mean so it's like that's i feel like the show sort of picks and chooses the ways in which it plays on realism versus just sort of like throw up your hands and be like it's a soap opera just go along with it i will say there is an episode in the back half of the season where you get a lesson which is quite detailed whether you want it or not, and exactly how an open convention works oh. and how the votes work and who is technically in charge of the convention, hmm. that Dan is like, you know, unsubscribe, this is so boring. And I was like, <laughs> well, I guess it's boring, but I actually, sadly, yeah, this crappy American did not take a civics class. And if I ever knew this, I forgot. And it's... I want to rewatch the West Wing episode that did that, too, because they had an episode in their last season where they did, or the end of their second last season, where they did a brokered convention. And I want to rewatch it now, just sort of like in prep of what may or may not be down the line IRL. Uh, Okay, so I have an update. I have a... Dave asked his friend, uh, (laughs) Mr. Google. (laughs) Politics update. Okay, so there's nothing in the Constitution, nor... Whatever that other big thing you got is electoral uh, electoral college that prevents um, electro college electro co- I said electoral <laughs> uh, that's awesome uh, way better uh, uh, college uh, people can be from the same state uh, the okay so the trick is when you're voting in the college you can't you get uh, you cannot cast. This is very, very interesting. Real-time <laughs> podcasting. This will be edited. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> um, electors got two votes, but they couldn't vote for two people from the same state. Okay. And so effectively, the 12th means... Amendment created a separate ballot for vice president, but the voting rule remained in effect. Okay. Uh, so basically, they avoid being from the same state in order not to screw up the chances of maximum electoral votes. I by sounds see. Of it. Yeah, I feel like early, early in the country's history, this was done differently. But yeah. first of all, my understanding of this comes entirely from a Washington Post podcast <laughs> about the presidents. And second of all, I think I'm still wrong. Well, when it started, everybody voted and the most votes was president and the second most votes was right. vice That's president. That's right. Ah. Right. And then... It switched to two separate votes. Right. President, vice president. Right. But the whole thing with the uh, not, you can't vote uh, twice for somebody from the same state remained in effect. So it's not law necessarily. It's sort of like procedure. Right. But I think effectively you can't really be from the same state. And also like strategically. Well, that's what I was going to say. For political reasons, that's why you usually have like a north-south balance ticket for that reason. So you're trying to pull in as many people, which is why this is also a bad idea for Frank and Claire. Here's my question yeah. about f- first ladying. <clears throat> um, it's not always the president's wife. Andrew Jackson, I believe, was uh, widowed and his daughter or his daughter-in-law was basically his first lady and just like right. did the teas and wrote right. the invitations and whatever it is you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So could they just get another first lady or first man to just like do all that crap i, I mean Not i feel nancy reagan dead. just died so i feel like someone should do an explainer somewhere about how first ladying works and whether it's like strictly a function of a relationship to the office holder right and also what does jill biden do all day does she just get pedicures and make up new swears she still I teaches hope that's true. She? i thought she still had yeah. a job 
Yeah, that was my question. I think she. I think the second lady gets to just chill and yeah, keep her job in the what, private sector. Yeah, do what she wants to do. And, and, I know and she they, just they all have to... their own like, projects and whatnot. Kim, yeah, she just went to uh, NASA to welcome home uh, the astronaut when he came home from the year on the space station. Oh yeah, I know she was the representative of the, of the administration there. So she does get some sort of ceremonial stuff to do as well. Cool. If I'd been in space for a year, I would hold out for like actual elected Biden. <laughs> I'm going to keep orbiting until I get Joe, get him back from the Oscars and have him show up. Joe's like, fine with me. I fucking hate Texas. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, I am pleased that the show is getting has gotten better, that it like bounced. I mean, it's still like outrageous and makes no sense. And these people are all pretty hateful, but I'm enjoying it. I like to see the little like the people that come back. And yeah, Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed the marital sparring back and forth and the machinations of that for the first half of the season up to where uh we left off personally in our viewing schedule yes certainly was better than season three which really just like dispensed with all the bonkers tv stuff that they were doing in one and two which made it kind of compelling and uh true to the source material and uh season four seems to be a bit of a return to that but i just feel like having people into presidency sort of hamstrings them a bit puts them at a disadvantage with what they could do yeah the scheming of one and two was always more interesting like Mm -hmm. all the sort of wonky stuff with what he used to do as a whip that was like more compelling from a political drama standpoint but you're i mean then the question is what is the show it's a soap like it's really yeah it's a a soap it's a processy soap i think that's what i like about it yeah Yeah. i just want to close us out on the point that kim made in her post on episode five which is bringing up speculating about what a nightmare monster claire was as a teenager based on how bitchy she is as an adult Kim, uh-uh. oh do, do, do you want to speak on that a little bit because i loved it well i was mostly speaking about there's a scene in that episode a couple of scenes where frank is in the hospital and so claire is kind of on her own uh impetus nobody has really asked her to but she's kind of taking over with negotiations with russia and advising the former vice president, now acting president, Blythe. Um, And she manipulates Blythe so hard (laughs) and he doesn't even know what's happening. And um, I think he has a little crush on her and she knows that and she uses it to get her role as advisor to him. I mean, she basically is just telling him what to do. He's her puppet. Mm -hmm. And it made me think like, if she's this horrible and manipulative as an adult, (laughs) imagine what she was like as a teenager. It's like a 14 or 15 year old. Yeah. And I would like to see that TV show. Yes. The Clary Diaries. Totally into it. I also am dying to know if she always wore, if she always dressed this way because mm-hmm. the outfits on this show are still death. I love them. So, mm-hmm. although I have to say a lot more cropped blazers than you see on actual women politicians who are maybe not. And as everybody proud of their is wearing as, uh... very snug pencil skirts. Like, yep. I just. Have you been to Washington? No. No, no, no. But I don't care. It's fun. Uh, And yeah, I agree. It is much more fun this season than last. So I'm excited to watch the back half now. House of Cars season four. Spoilers. (laughs) Nothing happened. Don't worry about it. Come back when you're done. (laughs) (laughs) Dear Mr. President, there are too many states nowadays. Please eliminate three. I am not a crackpot. I am not a crackpot. 
but I think that all sitcoms should be limited to three seasons. I know it sounds crazy, but here are my thoughts. One, many a good sitcom has been ruined by several seasons of crap on the tail end of their run simply because it's still profitable to make the show. The Simpsons, as brilliant as it once was, is the biggest offender and best example of this phenomenon. Cheers and Seinfeld come to mind as well. You can probably think of your own. In my perfect world, none of your favorite shows will be tarnished by seasons of lackluster junk. Two, horrible shows that are very popular will no longer go on forever. Home Improvement, Two and a Half Men, I'm looking in your direction. Three, oh, you're the one. shows that start out great but get tired after a while won't be a problem anymore. Imagine it's always sunny without later seasons like the Fat Max season. Four, high school shows will no longer have to have everyone go to the same local college after graduation. Similar for college shows. Five, family sitcoms no longer have to deal with the problem of kids who turn into awkward teens or horrible young adults. No more 20-year-old Bud Bundys. Six, in a limited run, even a generous three-year one, writers have to more quickly address the stuff that doesn't work. Imagine Brooklyn Nine-Nine if Boyle stopped creeping on Diaz in the fourth or fifth episode instead of somewhere in the middle of season two. Or Parks and Rec if no viewer ever had to hear the name Mark Brandanowitz. And seven, the original thing that made me come up with the idea... In an on-demand age, it makes TV more shareable. And what I mean by that is that it's much easier to recommend a three-season show to a friend rather than a longer-run show because it isn't such a time sink. And before I conclude, I should address the concern that there are shows that manage to put out good material for more than three seasons. So in my TV utopia, after its second season, a show can petition to extend their run for five years instead of the normal three. The extension will be provided to 20% of the total shows ending that year based on quality rather than ratings. <laughs> After all, I may be a crackpot, but I'm not a monster. Uh, thank you, Daniel, who uh, sometime when we meet up in person, we can have a talking like this contest. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on this. All right. Go ahead, Tara. Okay. I am not. He. I think he might be a slight crackpot. My main issue with this yeah. is that... It takes a lot of sitcoms, including some of the ones that he mentions, like a whole season to figure out what they're going to be about. Yeah, Parks that was and Recreation my hesitation. Sure. Seinfeld. Simpsons, Seinfeld, yes. Simpsons, for sure, is like whoever even watches the first episode, the, season uh, of The Simpsons anymore. The U.S. Office. Yeah, U.S. Office, yeah. another great example. So I, I don't think that three seasons is long enough if, if an idea is good, but I would say... Uh, I agree with him in terms of sitcoms should have seasons that are shorter. I think a lot of times a 13 episode season is probably plenty for most shows and more short seasons is better than fewer long seasons in my opinion. Okay. So maybe we're halving the order, but doubling the seasons or something like (laughs) that. I actually feel like this, and first of all, thank you uh, to Daniel, and I'm going to say that in air quotes because we all know that was Michael Madsen calling in, uh, <laughs> pretending to be someone named Daniel. I think it was actually the love child of Sam Elliott and um, <laughs> the guy who played Deep Throat in All the President's Men. Why oh, can I remember? Holbrook? Yes. <laughs> Whoever you are, we're on to you. Um, <laughs> I feel like just the fact that like the three most prominent sitcoms that I remember like from the nineties all had their best seasons in seasons like four through six to me wants yeah. to like friends season four was the best Seinfeld was like five through six. 
Simpsons was like four through six. Those were like the best years. So like, but like non-procedural dramas are the ones I feel like that should end after three years. Like that's when you yeah. basically, you've got your concept. Dramas tend to have their concepts together more solidly from the break. And then you can tell a beginning, middle and end story in three acts and then you're out. So that's yeah. my yeah. I agree. I, I like Tara's caveats. I might also add that um, I wouldn't mind if sitcoms got to take longer breaks in between seasons. Yeah. You yep. know, you look at something like Curb Your Enthusiasm or Louie, for better or for worse, kind of get to air when they have something funny to say mm-hmm. instead of in September yeah. or January. Yep. Um, and that also might allow some of the actors to do other projects in between seasons, which right. might keep them more engaged and yeah. keep them, you know, around longer. So maybe also add in longer. I don't know how that would work for the audience, but I know I will come back to a sitcom I like, whether it's been three months since I've seen an episode, especially now in the age of streaming video where you can go back and watch the old seasons yeah. when you need to. Um, I think that might be another good addition to the rule book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kim, I don't even think you're blue skying it that much because, you know, as we develop more creator centric avenues for them to create stuff like Netflix and Amazon, where, you know, they are given more freedom to sort of do what they need to do to make that show because it's a different metric, you know, of success, uh, that I could see that happening where you could have a sitcom that pops in and out of existence as the best ideas and the best talent is available within mm-hmm. reason, of course. But I feel like <clears throat> the structure is there for something like that to happen. Yeah. Let's not talk about the Arrested Development season on Netflix, though. Yeah. That's a bad example well, of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That was bad. But that was also um, a bad idea from the creator. Like, True. Like, like that was him tr- forcing the season into his current situation instead of saying, I'll wait until everybody's available where we can actually right. have another season instead of doing this Rashomon bullshit <laughs> season. All right. So mixed crackpot, <laughs> we're going to say, is that where we're leaving it off? Yes. All right. Well, yeah. thank so- you, Daniel. And if you have a crackpot of your own that you want to submit, please do so. Record the audio, leave 10 seconds of silence at the start, at the end, and send that to ehg at previously.tv and we'll play it and we'll discuss it and we'll tell you whether you're a crackpot or not. Hi, Libby. Hi, Mom. So yesterday you went to a birthday party and you had so much fun afterwards with your cousin that you've now lost your voice a little bit. Yep. So everybody out there, if you hear her squeaking, it's because of fun. (laughs) All right. So we just finished watching season 10, episode 8 of Face Off. Mm Mm-hmm. And can you explain the challenge for me, please? So they brought out beautiful... um, Beautiful queens that use magic to make themselves look like fair rulers. But they use that magic because when the magic wears out, they're evil, hideous, or creepy. So it was evil enchantress, sorry, evil sorceresses, sorcerer? I don't know. Um, And the challenge was to change her into an uglier, older version of her true self. Mm-hmm. Um, would you focus more on the old age portion of the challenge or the evil portion? I would 
do more evil. Like, she can be young and still evil because you can turn evil whenever, right? Yep, that's true. And uh, Rob, during the challenge, Rob gave Walter some advice and uh, about how to mold some shoulder pieces. And Walter liked the idea but had never done it before, had never used that technique. Would you try something brand new on day two of the challenge this late in the competition? No. Why not? Because if it's late and it doesn't work out and you put something that's broken or wobbly in front of the judges, it could send you home. Because we're on season eight and there's only like... Season ten. Season ten, episode eight. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) Um, There's only seven competitors. It has to be perfect for this far in the challenge. Mm-hmm. What was your very favorite part of the episode? Not your favorite look, but your favorite part of the episode. I thought it was cool when the models change. So they're in their magic mirror and then a gust of their dusty magic flies out and then they turn evil. I like that. And I find it really cool that they can turn, they think they're beautiful, but they're actually evil. You know, I think it might be because someone put a spell to make them look beautiful and they'll always see themselves beautiful, but everyone knows they're ugly. And that person was actually the evil one. Mm. Um, who was your favorite makeup? I really liked the emerald one. Yeah, Walter. Walter's. So you thought his shoulder pad thing worked out? Yeah. And I also liked Anna's, but apparently the judges disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us who won? Rob, because he had <coughs> he had a um Rob he had instead of wings a vertical spine, so it's easier. And she did a full body appliance. Mm-hmm. He did the Dragon Queen, and I think his face looked more like a goat than a dragon. And I think that he won because of the spiny thing he did on her back. Yeah, I agree. Because otherwise, Yvonne would have won for her corpse conjurous. Conjurer, yeah. Because hers was more like the the skeleton was pushing out of the skin. Her idea was that uh, as the witch got more evil, her skin would start to melt away and only her skeleton was coming out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, And who was your least favorite? Oh, yeah, Robert. Robert, sea witch, the fins on the face would have looked cooler as seaweed or even chain because his concept was that she's evil and with her magic she can pull down the boats and and I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it was a little strange. He's he's a strange fellow, but that gives him very uh, wild imagination. And he only did half of fish face. And the the judges were saying it would have worked out better if um, he did the whole face. I agree with that, but I still really liked it. Just the half face and the if it if you want it beautiful, I'll give you some tips for seaweed. Maybe it can be some sort of eyelashes, mm-hmm. seaweed, or then a chain necklace or something like that with shells. I like the starfish, though. Yep, that was neat. Who went home this week? Anna. My notes say I don't get it. Her She was supposed to do um, a shadow enchantress, which is a pretty difficult concept compared to sea witch. But um, what she did, it was weird. 
It, it, there were like weird spiky horns out her head and her face was white, but everything else was black. I feel that it might work better if the horns were higher and maybe they go out into kind of a curved shape going out almost like a crown or maybe a spirally shape or even a wand with holes in it would be cool. Those are very good ideas. So if you get back on, go to it. (laughs) That sounds wrong. (laughs) Thanks for speaking with me this week, Liv. You're welcome. And I'll chat with you next week. See you next week for Face Off. It is time to go around the dial, and our first stop is Tara Ariano. Hello. <clears throat> I wanted to talk about uh, clearing my throat and then talk about Down Abbey, <laughs> which, as we record this on Sunday as opposed to our usual Monday, uh, the series finale Christmas special is yet to air. Uh, I flew to England and watched it, so I already know what happens. And without spoiling it for people who are on this podcast who may not want to know details about what happens, uh, there was a post on Vulture on Friday where someone was saying what they wanted to see in the finale, and this woman pretty much nailed it straight down the line. It's, it's you know, everything you think is going to happen in the series finale pretty much does. That's that's all I can say. Um, but I have really enjoyed watching the show. Speaking of shows that are fancied up soap operas, basically, yep. Downton Abbey is like <laughs> the number one offender. Speaking of shows that should have ended after three seasons, too. Yeah, that mm-hmm. too, for sure. Oh, yeah. Although that would have meant... Sorry, Sarah Bunting. See... Bye. <laughs> that would have meant we didn't get to see Matthew Good on the show, and that would have made me sad. But um, I am good at car. He is the best at car. <laughs> um, but at yeah, car. It's, it's sort of... <clears throat> it would have been weird if it had ended on Matthew getting killed, I guess. That was <laughs> right. season three. That, that good with it. would have been kind of a dark way to wrap things up, but at the same time, like a lot of other bullshit has happened since then. The whole thing with Baxter and a horrible secret, I can't. And and Ugh. then the way they don't prison. wrap it up too is like whatever. Sorry, Joe, what were you saying? Oh, I just said, no. oh dear. Like, yeah, and I said mur- murder. Anna's murder prison storyline. Yeah. Oh could have gotten rid of. <laughs> I totally forgot about that too. Yes, there's there's been a lot of baloney on this show. And the other thing that you really notice when you cover it in depth, as I have been on previously TV in the particles format, how many conversations you wish you had you could see that they just cut away from, like mm-hmm. the the choices that they make of what they're going to show and what they don't, versus how much they repeat stuff that happened like five minutes ago in showtime. Oh, good, is the hospital battle again. Mm-hmm. Said no one ever, including people in the actual hospital. Ugh, worst. <laughs> that said, I will miss it. It's it's comfort food. It's so um, it's beautiful to look at. The performances mm-hmm. are always great. Yes, Dave. Well, I was going to ask two questions. One, whatever happened to the uh, Robert and Cora prequel series that they were talking oh, about? Oh yeah, nothing. And two, whatever happened to the Gilded Age? Uh, NBC show that Fellows was supposed to be developing? Uh, I don't know the answer to either of those questions. All right. Maybe nothing. Or maybe he just couldn't do all three yeah. at the same time. Right. A, a Robert and Cora prequel show would be interesting. Uh, a a so miniseries. I would watch it. Yeah. Let's, let's cap it at six episodes. Yeah, fair enough. Let's X-Files this bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. It'd be interesting <gasps> Robert to... and Cora as Edwardian X-Files. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, shit. <laughs> Stop the presses. <laughs> Stonehenge stuff and that kind of like <laughs> yeah. oh very yeah. interesting oh my god Fairies. yeah the the what Cardiff else are there? What the Cardiff else are giant of... that whole hoax like yeah. the B T Barnum stuff and all that the Loch Ness yeah. monster yeah. <gasps> <gasps> 
Oh my god. <laughs> that guy that photographed fairies, or did he? All right. I'm gonna be my The Jersey Devil, but on the Isle of Jersey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyway, farewell to Downton Abbey. We've had fun. Uh, nothing will ever top the guy killed by butt stuff moment, but they really did try. <laughs> and um, for my plug, I just want to plug our coverage of the show throughout the years on Previously.TV, Dave's excellent Downton Abbey in Woodcuts series uh-huh. for season three, right? Yep. Uh, the uh, Nick Reinwald Jones's Downton Abbey with Vart's videos, yep. very, very important. And my own particles, if I, if I may. Uh, and that is all. Bye, Downton. That brings us to Kim Reed. Okay, I wanted to talk about uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers, which is a show I don't really watch live. I don't know how many people do or record it every night. But I do go to the YouTube channel or Hulu or whatever and watch clips a lot. And I think that post John Stewart Daily Show, everybody's talking about what's the new Daily Show? Is it The Daily Show with Trevor Noah? Is it... Uh, John Oliver, is it Full Frontal with Samantha Bee? And many of those are fine shows. But I think that Seth Meyers' political coverage doesn't really get talked about in that context. He gets compared to, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, Stephen Colbert, James Corden, Conan. But I think he's doing awesome political coverage. If you enjoyed Weekend Update in the Seth Meyers era, then you should be watching the clips, at least, of Seth Meyers' late night talk show. Yeah, And then speaking of the... the speaking of the talk show aspect, I think he has become at least a really great interviewer, um, especially compared to his other late night people, some of whom Jimmy Fallon are not very good <laughs> interviewers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of it may be because he typically doesn't get first crack at, you know, whoever's out promoting whatever movie, TV show, etc. They tend to come on his show second or last. So he has to find an interesting angle. He's become a good listener. Um and I think it's worth checking out. So I just wanted to mention it because I feel like it doesn't get mentioned that much. It's not, you know, in the zeitgeist, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really good and, and more people should watch it. They're also really good at um, sketches. I don't watch every episode either, but whenever he has someone on, I record it. And um, you're definitely right about the political coverage. He's very strong there. But also they do really funny sketches They when they had Carice Van Houten on a couple of oh, yeah. ago. Uh, yeah. Who plays Melisandre? Is that her name on yep. Game of Thrones? Yep. They did a thing where it was like a baby shower that she showed up to in character. Yes. <laughs> she was completely inappropriate, of course. Uh, and then they also did a thing last week where Seth Meyers was uh, reasonable Max in the Mad Max universe. <laughs> it was hard to explain, <laughs> yes. but it's pretty funny. So, yeah, they're doing good stuff. I agree. I like him, and he's for sure a better interviewer than uh, Alan. Briefly, since you mentioned it, is anybody watching Full Frontal? Joe. I am. I love I've it. seen I a few episodes. Yeah, I think it's really funny. I think yeah. she's very funny. I think the she's very kind of fired up about stuff. Like she's very uh, sort of intense and kind of like angry about stuff at times, which really works in this particular election cycle. Which uh, yeah, I'm really liking it. Okay, cool. Uh, anything to plug there, Kim? Yeah, I wanted to plug this week. I'll be. You'll see some articles from me about. Uh, House of Cards, as previously mentioned. You'll also see a get on board with the Carmichael show. Woo. So I won't go through my argument here. Uh, you can read it on previously.tv. On Wednesday. I'm also still, yes, I'm also still covering Scandal and coming up soon, Dancing with the Stars. With Misha Barton. Oh my God. With oh, Misha no. Barton. Poor old yeah. Misha Barton going from a them to a who to borrow the terms of our friends' <laughs> weekly podcast. 
Oh, yes. boy. Um, so Broad City is back for uh, season three. Apparently it's last show, if uh, Daniel has his way. Um, it's, <laughs> it's last season, rather. Um, anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's aired three episodes of its season so far. Uh, this most recent one, the best of the three, as far as I'm concerned, like by far. There was uh, a subplot with... Abby getting competitive with her company's <laughs> sort of retreat games. All could caps not Abby. What's that? I said could not relate. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's fantastic. <laughs> but I thought also the episode contains what I think is the best like reference gag I've seen in something in quite a while. Um, set up for that being Alana finally gets fired from her job after... Uh, Posting horse porn on the company's, I want to say Snapchat, but could have no, been her, Twitter. Their Twitter feed. It was their Twitter? Okay. Um, and so she like, and Vanessa Williams is a guest star and she's the boss. And so uh, Alana finally gets let go. And her co-workers are so incredibly happy to be free of her that they go into this like impromptu gospel rendition of Joyful Joyful, which would have been fun on its own, but like... Then it morphs into this Sister Act 2 reference where I was just sort of like, is this, could this possibly be Sister Act 2? And then they're like, all of a sudden dressed up as the same characters from Sister Act 2. (laughs) And then Whoopi Goldberg shows up and it's just like, oh my God, this is the goddamn best. It's really, really funny. I mean, I'm not the first nor third nor 2000th person to tell you that Broad City is really good but like hey it really is um I just want to warn really you Joe because we've watched the next episode as well trigger trigger warning for Joe Reed there is rat content oh okay thank you for that <laughs> thank you for that warning intense rat content the, that's all I'll, oh boy I'll make sure there's a pillow in front of my face while I don't uh, go in the that. kitchen that's good yeah um so a my plug <laughs> first of <laughs> god <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> Secrets revealed. Um, <laughs> so first of all, I wanted to mention uh, our friends at Pop Culture Happy Hour had a meetup in Brooklyn on Saturday that Sarah and I were able to attend. Um, as you might expect, there's some overlap in our podcast audiences. So I just wanted to say how nice it was to meet with some people who are listeners of Extra Hot Grade. It was really cool. It's always fun to hear from people who like the show. And, and- people who made an effort to come up and say hi. That was really Aww. Sweet, and we really appreciate hearing such nice things. And um, my fellow, my colleagues on Again With This will be glad to know that I was wearing my Don't Be Such a Squeef t-shirt. Oh, good. Yeah. Always be branding. Yes. (laughs) Always fly the colors. (laughs) So for an actual plug, um, Decider.com, I wrote a thing last week about how Dawson's Creek is on Hulu now. And so I did a listicle of like unlikely guest stars, which includes, if you want to go check that out, a gif of Dawson kissing Carol from The Walking Dead. That's insane. Which is, oh my God, that's right. The craziest shit I've seen in a while. She looks like. Whoa. Her hair is so big. She, she, you know who she looks like? She looks like Sharon Gless on Queer as Folk. Oh, yeah. Like, that's how of. she's styled. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's so crazy. But, like, so, uh, decider.com, if you click on uh, my author uh, hyper- hyperlink on my name on any of the articles, you'll see all of my stuff there and you can find the Dawson's Creek thing. Uh, it's super crazy. All right. Take us home, Sarah. Uh, Intervention is back, and the latest episode uh, raised some interesting, if upsetting, questions for me at least about exactly when producers can interfere with the subjects. Um, 
I don't know if there's been like any behind the scenes or like oral history of intervention that someone <laughs> might point me to on this topic. But um, in this week's, the subject is literally staggering and about to bumble into traffic, mm. which she manages to avoid doing. But then she falls headfirst into a bush while trying to take a roadside piss. Oh, uh, she's basically unharmed and does manage to do that. But then at some point, I believe during the taping of this, she's so drunk and fucked up that she is sexually assaulted. This is not the first time that this has happened. And oh, it's sort God. of like, what is is the responsibility of the production yeah. To, yeah. to step in at some point. Like they tend to not care about just like drug use, but harm to, to yeah. Like can a camera people. person like reach out and grab someone who's about to be hit by a car? Right. Are they allowed to, are they supposed to like, I don't know where the line is. And sometimes I feel like I'm complicit in, I always think of that season of the real world where like yeah. Ruthie was on Ruthie. the Hawaii season where yes. and they like mm-hmm. and they let her get into the car and drive drunk and you could feel almost like the instantaneous regret because then they were like following her and they didn't want to like create a chase situation but you could because they it was one of those episodes where they could like let you hear what the producers are saying and like you could tell they were like scared shitless they're like oh shit like if something bad happens like we're on the hook for this yeah yeah well there was a whole conversation I think. From behind the camera to her before she got in the car. And right. It was like really. Right. But like, you could feel the regret. That's that's yeah, right on. That they didn't like actually like grab the keys out of her hand and like yeah. clamp her down or whatever. Yeah. So um, the the show is not like just now raising these issues, but it was particularly um, particularly pointed, I think, at least for me in this uh, latest episode, which for Yikes. lack of a better word, the show is still as addictive as ever. <laughs> And my plug is for the In Search of Marathon Diary, mm. um, which is about to reach its conclusion oh. and has finally reached the point at which the episode that obsessed me with the show when I was eight years old, the Nostradamus episode, <laughs> which like the first 15 minutes, I was like, this is bullshit. Like how easily led an eight year old was I? But then it really starts to pick up. And I have to say this last season here is really good. Like they've been they've been airing a lot of cool stuff and the outfits are hilarious. So <laughs> check it out on previously.tv. All right. It is time for the canon. Joe Reed is submitting this week. Take it away, Joe. Hey, so I am submitting Survivor Season 20, that's the Heroes vs. Villains Season, Episode 10, Episode Title is Going Down in Flames. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect, yes. Um, There are some inherent challenges to putting this episode up for canon consideration. Uh, Episodes from the middle of reality seasons are sort of tough to get into if you haven't been watching. This particular episode is doubly hard because it's an all-star season. So not only is it drawing from storylines earlier in this season, but also from storylines and relationships between characters from previous seasons. A lot of these people are playing for uh, the second or third time even, and... um, there's a lot of sort of backstory to be dealt with. And if you had stopped watching in say like the fifth or sixth season um, or the 15th or 16th seasons, you might not be uh, (laughs) as up to date on this. That said, 
this is my favorite episode from my favorite season of Survivor, and I think it's constructed well enough to feel satisfying no matter what, but I guess we'll see. So the previous leads to this one are fairly important. They established the fact that uh, Russell and uh, is on uh, the villain tribe with, at this point, all women remaining. So it's Russell and Parvati and Jerry and Danielle and Sandra. Um, the heroes, and particularly JT, have... Fi- decided that they've figured it out, figured out the dynamics of the villain's tribe. And if it's Russell and a bunch of girls, he must be on the, the wrong side of that alliance. And these mean girls are trying to pick him off. And so they decided to sneak him their immunity idol so that he could stay alive, so that uh, he could still be in the game when the merge happens and that they could have him. And they the, all The congratulate- hidden immunity idol that someone yes. found. Yeah. Yes, and so the the heroes all patted themselves on the back for their fantastic move, and the villains all laughed and laughed. <laughs> and so that's how where we are at the beginning of this episode. Um, the thing with Russell is interesting because he had been on the season immediately previous to this one, and he was this sort of like legendarily dastardly shitty person. And <laughs> but nobody who else who else was on this season had watched that season, and yet. One would think that if he was on a tribe that's called the Villains, that you would not be so trusting to him, JT. But we'll see. So um, the tribes are informed of an impending merge. The Villains uh, work out how they're going to play JT, uh, with Russell pretending to be weak and victimized by the women, like the heroes think, and then they'll snake them by the end. Um, Russell is also being incredibly cocky, uh, and as JT is also doing, uh, underestimating the women. He, for uh, example, doesn't seem to think that Parvati might have an idol, even though she totally does. Um, once the tribes merge, JT gives an interview, first of many, actually, where he's incredibly confident about his read of the situation, <laughs> only he's wrong about literally every single point. <laughs> first thing I noticed when I looked down the beach and saw the villains coming was Parvati. And, you know, I saw Russell's legs behind the Sears box. And I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, my God. So I figured Russell played the idol. Parvati had to have played an idol. Therefore, there's no idols in the game. Parvati's got to be the first to go. It's a known fact. The number of things he gets wrong in that is really astounding, and the number of ways that they that the heroes try to convince themselves that things are working the way they think they're working, instead of what's fairly obvious in that they gave Russell an idol, he didn't get rid of Parvati like they asked him to, and so he was, must be lying to them. Like The fact that they haven't decided to catch on to that is crazy to me. So meanwhile... Um, if any of the heroes were paying attention, they'd see that it's actually Sandra and not Russell who is on the outs of the villain's tribe and highly poachable, uh, which we hear in this second clip. Oh my God, Rupert, listen. I'm the last of my lines. You know how some people forgive, but don't forget? Well, I don't forgive and I don't forget. <laughs> the heroes don't know that Russell is the kingpin and that Parvati's his right-hand man. Russell's trying to play up this thing like all these women are about to get rid of him. I hope I get my revenge because it's going to be good. Spoiler, it is. And spoiler, Sandra's the best. Um, you have to watch the rest of the season to see it play out. But oh my God, she's the best. Even uh, Rupert, who seems to be the only one on the hero tribe to see through Russell's act, doesn't seem all that interested in pursuing the Sandra angle, even after he seems to be convinced that Sandra's telling the truth here. Um, they don't really ever pursue just 
forgetting about Russell and pulling Sandra to their side uh, to their great detriment. So the heroes are incredibly cocky and really are buying into this heroes versus villain stuff in really obnoxious ways. Jeff Probst always tries to really sell the themes of these kind of, uh, you know, concept heavy seasons and... It's always up to the participants how much they want to like buy into it. And man, do all these heroes really like to think of themselves as virtuous and re- like when they merge and Rupert and Colby start giving Jerry shit for Jerry being like, we're all villains, aren't we? And they're like, Jerry, why don't you have like a better attitude about things? Like, <laughs> Shut up. Especially you, Pooper. You're the Seriously. worst. Survivor. <laughs> you should all be villains. Thank Duh. you. Thank you. Um, so at the immunity challenge, which is not a great challenge, mostly because nobody really thinks that they're in too much jeopardy so nobody tries that hard but uh, it's one of those stand on a pole the longest which I think because these contestants have been on previous seasons I think they've cottoned to the fact that this is so much a body weight ratio challenge that really favors smaller women and nobody else so nobody really everybody's sort of realized that there's brought like maximum two or three people who can possibly win it so nobody tries that hard which really offends jeff Probst. and i'm putting up this clip just because i want you to sort of try and envision how crestfallen jeff is when colby <laughs> is the first one to drop out of the competition and does not seem all that interested or sad about it like it's it's really phenomenal you really need to picture his face as like being the most like sad puppy face you can think of all right here we go Donaldson steps down. Colby, first person out of this challenge. Sandra steps down. Sanders now out of the challenge. Colby, disappointed how fast you were out or something uh, going I on? I knew it was going to be quick for me. Yeah. How come? Uh, just based on that last challenge we did with the footholds. Not my forte, that's for sure. Feeling okay, Colby? Everything all right? Catching a little fever? You know, you feeling a little down? Do you want to try again? We'll let you try again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, This was the third season that Colby was on. And at this point, he was already like semi not as plugged in when he was around for the second time. He completely could give a shit this time around. He was a total waste (laughs) of a casting spot. Like Mm -hmm. it's only because Jeff Probst was like totally legitimately in love with him that he was on this (laughs) season again. So um, it's so sad to watch Jeff as, you know, his former boyfriend doesn't want to be a challenge beast anymore so um ultimately this challenge comes down to parvati and danielle who are both closest of allies so parvati steps down so that danielle can have it basically she gives the immunity to danielle and so after which my always favorite part of the episode is the post immunity challenge scramble for votes that's a real strategy nerd like i am like really gets into it even though this is particularly complicated so at this point Russell is telling the heroes that he's going to vote for Parvati with them. The heroes are like, cool. Rupert has convinced the other heroes uh, to distrust Russell enough that they're going to tell Russell, we're all going to vote for Parvati. Then they're going to vote for either like Jerry or Sandra and then hope to win like a five to four to one split vote and test Russell's loyalty in the process. Um, And they are also hoping that Parvati will play her idol, thinking that she's going to get voted out. And so to this end, they deploy, of all people, Amanda to go talk to Parvati. Amanda had been on previously (laughs) the Micronesia season with Parvati, and they were both very close allies. So they thought that this was going to be using Parvati's former ally to sort of convince her, you should really play your idol tonight. That way they can ensure that Parvati plays it on a week that she's not the target so that they can get rid of her next week. Problem is... Amanda is an incredibly terrible liar. So she pretty much convinces Parvati that they're not voting for her by telling her that they really, really, really are. 
I just want to make sure it's not me that goes. Well, you better play that thing. Just in case. Really? Just play it. I knew that Amanda was lying to me when she told me that they were voting for me. Like, I know you're trying to get rid of me, but I'll just play along with you right now. It's like, thanks for looking out for me, buddy. <laughs> to be safe. Okay, if we don't talk again, play it for you. Like, I just, I don't know what to do because I'm really, honestly, Harvey, I'm so confused. Like, it's gonna get messy. I think the best thing that you could do tonight is just let them vote for me and just vote with them. And then we'll take it from there. Alright. My head hurts. My head hurts. Oh, Amanda. Too, too pure for this world. Amanda um, so kind of reminds me this... of uh, Maggie from uh, Walking Dead a bit. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Big eyes. Stupid face. Uh, <clears throat> All this sets the scene for Tribal Council, where after a tedious argument about who gets to eat the unripe bananas in camp, where mm. Rupert once again comes across incredibly poorly, um, Jeff uh, has everybody go and vote. And then after voting, he calls for anybody with an immunity idol, a hidden immunity idol, to play it now. If anybody has a hidden immunity idol and you want to play it, now would be the time to do so. downright depressing to sit and watch green bananas turn yellow without my debaucherous little villains. So, Sandra, that's for you. Get out of here, for real. <laughs> and Jeff, I would just like to increase our odds. So, Jerry, that one's for you too. Oh, damn it. So there's a little bit of serendipity in that moment in that I don't think Parvati knew which of Jerry and Sandra that the heroes were going to end up voting for, but she gives the first idol to Sandra, who the heroes didn't vote for, so everybody thought it was cool. They were like, wow, that's a move, but like, whatever. And then she gives the second one to Sandra, and it's that great moment in Good Survivor <laughs> episodes where everybody's face just falls to the floor, and it's so satisfying. <laughs> Um, it's a pretty big risk by uh, Parvati because it does leave her vulnerable, but she had a really good read of Amanda, and uh, indeed, when the votes are read, she's right, the heroes all voted for Jerry, and all of those votes are nullified. So it's JT who was so cocky and condescending, not only about Parvati, but when Rupert tried to warn him about uh, Russell's deception, uh, JT is voted out. So even Russell, also, another uh, cool moment is that Russell didn't even know that Parvati had that extra idol, so like, even he is surprised, and he was really smug about like running the game so he didn't even see it coming um this episode is twisty and complicated on a strategy level which i really like um it's your your mileage may vary on somebody like parvati who plays like the cutesy girl thing in that way of just like i'm gonna wrap my around my finger kind of thing i particularly like the way that in this season in particular she uses 
other people's low opinion of her to her advantage. Um, and it's satisfying to me to see her sort of like get the last, uh, uh, get the last jab in on them. It's super satisfying on a human level to see people like JT and Rupert go down. And it is a good argument. And I know there are many arguments that there are too many hidden immunity idols these days. And I don't necessarily disagree, but an episode like this shows you where that type of thing can pay off in a big moment at tribal council. So, um, I'll be interested to see what uh, everybody else thinks of this, but that is my case for this Survivor episode. Kim, you're the biggest fan, I think, of all of us of Survivor, <laughs> so why don't you start? Um, okay. I actually, Joe, I had my notes here, and as I'm going through, Joe mentioned just about everything I was going to say already, <laughs> <laughs> which may be the problem with both of us being fans of the show. Um, <laughs> so I won't go over what he already said. I'll just add that my favorite things to see on Survivor are when someone who's being cocky or dumb gets their comeuppance, which is what <laughs> happened with JT. That's always extremely satisfying, especially when it all happens in one episode. Um, you know, right from the whole time, as soon as somebody says, you know, well, there's no way that we're going to lose this tribal council or whatever. You just know they're going to lose that tribal council. And that's extremely satisfying. And I'll also say that up until last season, this episode was my favorite tribal council of all time, just because it was so satisfying. Um, Up until last season's finale, where they had that wacko bananas tribal council, um, where even Jeff Probst had to like consult the rule book to figure out what was going on. Oh, where (laughs) Um, Keith Kappenberg got voted out? Yes, where Keith was like, I'll go to the house or whatever. That was crazy. Crazy. Um, So that kind of has taken the number one slot in my book. But other than that, this is a very close number two. Um, And I also agree with Joe about Parvati. I was not her biggest fan in her first season or coming into this season, but she really turned me around. And this episode shows why it shows that she's not just trying to be like, I'm cute. Take me along with you. You know, I don't know anything about strategy. I'm just playing the game and I'll do whatever you tell me to. And this episode showed that, no, she does have a strategy. She does know how to play it. Um, She wasn't just riding Russell's coattails. Um, And I think it was really satisfying to see her, especially as a woman on this show, which has traditionally, especially from the host point of view, been kind Mm -hmm. of sexist. Um, it was satisfying to see the big guys like JT and Colby uh, take a back seat to the women. So I thought it was really satisfying. I think Joe nailed all the reasons why. And uh, we can go on to, I guess, Tara. Okay, that actually works well because my first question is about uh, dovetails well with your point about sexism. Can you, Kim or Joe, give me some background on how it was decided by the heroes that Russell is the villain that they should like try to cherry pick out of this tribe other than just sexism i see when the season go ahead yeah yeah well when the season started so parvati had won she was this was her third time on the show her second time (laughs) she won that season and she won it by heading a group uh, an alliance of women Mm. who essentially like they did one tribal council where they literally convinced this poor hapless sap to give up his immunity idol and then immediately voted him out so they were very like it was that kind of like and Jeff Probst totally played into it the like you know ruthless team of Jezebel women kind of thing so (laughs) it was 
So her reputation going into the season, she was a target from the first minute. And I think the heroes did a little bit of talking themselves into the narrative that they wanted. And then once Russell ended up as the last man, they just decided that, oh, what's happening is there's another all-women alliance. So he's he's our guy. Gotcha. All right. So there is precedent. It's not as gross as it seems. Right. It's still a little gross. But it's still it's a little gross. gross. Of course. All of it is yeah. going to be a bit gross. Um, yeah. yeah, you covered a lot of what uh, made this episode fun to watch, other than I don't think you emphasized enough how annoying fucking Rupert is. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Even though he doesn't get voted on this episode. Oh, my bananas. <laughs> that fucking banana conversation makes no sense. No. Why? What is the point of eating unripe bananas? <laughs> like, just to... Just to deny yourself? Like, why not just wait until they're... Why? No one's doing anything wrong. You're dumb. I'm anyway. not talking about the plantains. I'm talking about the ripe bananas. I still don't understand. <laughs> like, what are they there for if not to eat when they're ripe? What the hell? Anyway. Yeah. Um, and I, did, I was a little annoyed by the moment right just after the merge where Parvati was sort of like moping around like, no one's welcoming me to the tribe. Like, you don't really care. Don't act like you do. Like, this is right. your, your game. You should want them to not welcome you to the tribe. You're about to pick them up one by one. And uh, other than, as you already said, that the moment when all of their faces fall to the floor, the when they cut back to the four heroes remaining all in a row at Tribal Council looking so sad, it's like yep. the survivor version of... Bart and Martin and Nelson and Milhouse in the the shadow of the wig sphere, so dismayed. (laughs) Even if you had never watched the rest of the season, which I hadn't, I'd bailed on the show by this point, but like you can tell just from this episode how much they need this and how good it would have felt if you'd watched the whole season to see them so downcast. It was very enjoyable to me. So excellent choice, Joe. Sarah. Oh, Dave. Um, Or Sarah. Go Sarah, Sarah. I also enjoyed that Russell was so enraged, like the Mm. desire to hit a girl that is singing through every one of his muscles right now, right at that moment. When he finds out that Parvati lied to him? Yeah. 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 Um, I sort of stopped watching the show because the show's like attachment to Russell and various Russell relatives, like... He's not actually that good at the game. He's a loathsome fucking toad. Yep. He's not enjoyable to watch, and they're feeling that, like he made good TV. I was like, he actually doesn't. Right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. once was enough. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he and Rupert were like still on the show by this point, like going into this episode, I was like, I don't know, this is a lot of dingleberries that I <laughs> really like. And then none of them ends up getting eliminated, but like the look on his face, like it is genuine like narcissist rage like he just wants to burn it all down yeah. Yeah. because a girl screwed him over how mm-hmm. dare she and it's like because you're actually not all that good at a key element of the game yeah no, like yeah. bragging is not right bragging is not a skill bragging ain't working <laughs> so yeah i think also this is such a quintessential episode of the show because it is an all-star season and you do have so many uh people from such a wide range of seasons that um, good and bad. Like I love Sandra, so yeah. I mean, it was really enjoyable to watch. I'm still not exactly sure how I'm going to vote because reality shows are so tough when it comes to canon. But it was really fun to watch and good presentation. And shut up, yep. Russell and Rupert. <laughs> Dave. Dave. Uh, okay, so a couple notes. Uh, who who won the individual immunity? What was her name? Danielle. Danielle. All right, real talk. I think it was Mrs. Her. Roosevelt. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if it was her, but one of the ladies. It was her. Had a boob job. Oh yeah. And oh, she totally. had the crazy oh, boob Real talk. When seeds. you're on the show and you know you're going to be losing some weight, just consider the fact that you have implants and that at a certain point of time, you know when a balloon loses like 10% of its hair? <laughs> and it's just got those weird little three wrinkles right at the right at the nozzle there. That's that's your that's your rack. That's your chest. What part of the boob is the nozzle, Dave? <laughs> no, 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 I'm just saying like those no, lines. <laughs> yes, up at, and they form her up at the top. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not a good I thought you were going to mention her mustache, which was also fairly prominent. But oh, yeah. I didn't notice I that, didn't that, that much in this episode. She, I noticed her gums and her and her streaky boobs. Uh, um, we're really so... nailing Danielle. I kind of like Danielle, Danielle too. <laughs> Look, she's eating corn through a fence. She's fine. <laughs> I really enjoyed the. I, I'm imagining the guy who does the music for this show, sort of like to bring another <laughs> Simpsons reference into it. You know when Krusty does his Krusty doll recordings, he just runs into studio. <laughs> uh-huh. hey, and he like rhymes off four of them, leaves, and the guy's like, all right, we're ready to roll. I feel like the music guy's that way. He's just pounding these out. They're so (laughs) over the top and bad. Here's the music from like the Joe's last clip um, when uh, after like everybody realized what's going on. Let's knock out another one. What do you want this time? A little more, a little more Hawaiian ukulele. Like Tribal this. council with farts. Yeah, uh, no, I was gonna say, can we get Nick Ranwell Jones to do a making the sausage with the guy who does the guy on the, uh, on the yeah. Survivor soundtrack? Um, all right. So uh, overall, totally with Kim that you know the most satisfying episodes of Survivor are the ones where somebody gets blindsided. Um, yeah. I don't even necessarily and, need them need it to be you know a come up situation. I just want somebody to be like, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, the high water mark for me was always the Mitchell episode from season two. I oh, think sure. it is yeah. where Mitchell's yeah. just like, "Do going to travel council <laughs> everything." What the fuck? I'm out. You know, uh, that was always the best well, thing. And this this reminded me of yeah. of that. Um, yeah, Jerry got to be on the good side of this one for uh, for a change. Yeah, yeah, and. And the tribal council after the reveal, like everybody's uh, reaction was so genuine. Like Jerry, just like holy shit, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. She's actually got like four fingers in her mouth. Yeah. She doesn't know she, how to she react. She was like Jane on on, on uh, happy endings when she's, you know, how Jane trying yes. to flirt yeah. on happy endings. She's got like her fist in her mouth. It, like yeah. that might be the most Jerry. human Jerry's ever been. On yeah. Show. Oh yeah. She was very likable this season. I think. Um, and uh, I guess the only like real big knock I would put this episode is that. Um, like uh, our attrition uh, challenges are so boring. Yeah, and whether standing on top of a pole or or having a foothold pole or uh, I don't I, agree. I find them just. just I find like, the like the chasing through and the obstacle course and the fucking puzzle are so samey. Like this actually for me is more human drama potentially. Yeah, I agree with Tara in general. This one because nobody seemed to want to stick it out for right. that long. I thought it was a little bad, but that's yeah. true. Well, because like you know, by the time you're on the show two or three times, you know it's not about endurance. It's just about like, well, I'm just going to play the odds. I think my odds are pretty good. Nobody's voting for results. Let's hop off now. And like nobody really, I don't know. It just didn't seem very tense to me, or like much much was really. Yeah, people felt like that things were at stake. But uh, boy, that ending that was great. Yeah. The 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 immunity, the double immunity idol <laughs> giveaway was fantastic and a really smart piece of strategy. Yep, uh, I thought and um, yeah, well played. Really fun episode. 
Um, I, I kind of with Sarah. I don't really know like where I'm going to vote or do I? I'm keeping it a mystery. Let's see. Uh, oh my so, God, Dave just whipped up five immunity idols. <laughs> so let's uh, put it to a vote. Kim? I vote yes. Tara? I vote yes too. And my reason is I, I agree with, you know, the logic of like, how do you vote in a reality show? But I'm going to say the reason I'm voting yes on this is that it made me want to go back and watch this season, which I never had. So right. that's, that would be my metric this mm, time. That's good. Uh, Sarah? Um, because it is both uh, quintessentially Survivor and a really fun 42 minutes of television, and because probes hated the outcome almost yep. as much as the heroes and Russell did, that's a yes for me. Yeah, it was a fun episode. I, I enjoyed it. It really did remind me of the best moments of Survivor, the, you know, you're a snake in the grass thing. You're the... Yeah. Anyways, so that makes it unanimous. Survivor Season 20, Episode 10, Going Down in Flames. You are not going down in flames. You are in the Extra Hot Grey Cannon. <laughs> Americans love a Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It is time for winner and loser of the week. Tara has a winner. Um, I don't totally know what's happening with CBS's uh, Nancy Drew show that's just going to be called Drew. Is it a mystery? A mystery of what it's about? (laughs) Yes. Apparently, it's not about a teenager anymore because they've just cast a lead and she is our winner of the week, Sarah Shahi. I love this actress. Um, She, I was the only person who watched slash cared slash knew existed um, Fairly Legal, her show where she was like a mediator on USA which ran for two seasons if you could fucking believe it anyway um i like her a lot so her getting cast in the lead on this show uh makes me a lot more interested in checking it out even though it is a crime show on cbs which is uh several knocks against it and also sidebar for you joe reed uh her husband is steve howie from um <gasps> shameless. shameless yeah really that's an yes. attractive couple indeed and loser of the week who will fight wigs? <laughs> um, first of all, when last we saw Juliana Margulies' wig on The Good Wife, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was staring into the side of it with what was supposed to be sex face, but really looked like he was examining it for the spider of urban legend sure to be strolling out of it at any moment. Mm-hmm. Um I am not a huge fan of rumors about actresses being bitches because it seems like they're never matched in number or um, vociferosity um, by stories of actors being bitches. But I have to feel like the ones about Margulies have some weight because that wig is just getting increasingly terrible. (laughs) It is absolutely atrocious, the worst yet. And the idea that a guy who looks like that would fuck a woman wearing that is bullshit. Uh, moving on to the underwig on House of Cards, a certain incident in episode four was the perfect excuse to just ditch it already because we all fucking know. Yeah. But not only is the show acting like uh, going straight back to work with no Purell protocols after a, um, <clears throat> you know, procedure is no big deal, but it's the same fucking wig except with, like, flour in it. <laughs> Nobody cares that you're fucking bald. Nobody's been caring since Shatner. I'm not a crackpot. No wigs. Yep. Uh, having no wigs brings up an interesting question. Does it? And that is this. <laughs> Do you know what time it is? Time. Wig time. Game time. Game time. You. you have the right to remain hairless. 
All right, everybody. This is the fourth game time of the season. Joe has two points. Tara has one. Sarah and Value Guests looking to get on the board today. And speaking of today, the game time today comes from Brennan Brazo, who earns himself an extra credit. Redeemable for an extra hot, great mini topic of his choosing. Today's game, Cliffhangers, is about... Yes. Cliffhangers! (laughs) (laughs) Guys, the cliff! Uh, How this game works is that for three points, you get a clip from a cliffhanger episode or description of the episode, and you try to guess the show it's from. If you don't know the answer, we then move to a description of the show in cliffhanger format. Two points if you can guess the first part, one point if you need the entire description of the cliffhanger. So. Right away, three points. First half of the cliffhanger clue, two points. Second half, one point. Okay. There so we're just a- guessing okay. the show name. That's right. Okay. There are a ton of questions today, so strap in and get ready. One note, the question format is the same for the whole game, but the thematic collections, the rounds, don't run by multiples of four. So uh, we'll end up switching themes in the middle of the rotation at times. But uh, okay. it's not really an advantage or a disadvantage. It's just the way we organize the questions. All right. All right. Thank let's you. throw it to Picky to see who is going to go first. We will start with Tara. All right. Tara, Kim, Sarah, Joe, that is our order. Are we ready to play Cliffhangers? Yep. Yes. Let's All right. go. Tara Ariano. Yes. <clears throat> Get ready. Okay. For the first question. Here it comes. <laughs> Any second now. now. Yep. Here we go. Okay. For three points, listen to the following clip. Take the Emily. Take the Rachel. (laughs) Emily. (laughs) Emily. Uh, Shall I go on? Or three points. What's that show? That's Friends. It is Friends. Uh, kind of an easy one for Tara Ariano. All right. Uh, Kim, here is yes. your first question. Can you? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I mean, you know, it's my job, right? <laughs> What's that show? Cliffhanger um, episode from what show? Sounds if like If you don't know the answer, animated. you want a hint. She's, she's talking. Provide. Shut up and let her answer. I thinking. am explaining things. Hey, who's running the show? <laughs> I am. Oh, y'all. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna take the first half of the clue because it's early on. So, and you right. want to get some points. Or two points. The adventures yeah. of a working class family in the misfit mm. city of. I'm gonna say the Simpsons. That is good for two points. Yeah. Okay. That's my first instinct. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sarah. Uh, Sarah. Here you go. The answer is coming on an all new. In just four weeks. What? Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) South Park. That is correct. That was the infamous uh, Who is the Father episode, correct? Yes. Joe, here is your first cliffhanger clue. Who's there? Is working overtime. 
Um, that sounds like uh, Dallas. You are yeah. correct, and that is worth three points for you, sir. Well done. Back to Tara. Mm-hmm. Mr. Wolf. Fire. <laughs> God. Star Trek The Next Generation? <laughs> Starting Space. off with some easy ones, guys. But I just want to say, listen to the... If I just played this part of it, what would you think that show is? Sounds like Lost, doesn't it? Yeah, kind of. It does of. sound a little yeah, bit. a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, to Kim. Yep. Blessed is the kingdom, the father, and the son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever. Let us pray in peace. Okay, I have a guess, so I'm just going to go for it. All right. Uh, Dynasty? Three points. Yeah, the Moldavian Massacre. Yay. (laughs) My guess, too. The clues were the saga of a wealthy Denver family in the oil business. Mm -hmm. All right, to Sarah, correct? Yes. Yes. We have to go back. Have to go back. We have to go back. Hmm. I'll take the hint. Life is laid bare as a group of plane crash survivors find themselves oh, stranded Christ. on a <laughs> lost. Correct for two points. Different for strokes. two points. All right, uh, Joe. Yes. Here is your second clue. Kidding me, piggy. Uh, Tony really died. It's the Sopranos. Oh, it is reverse for you. Hot take. <laughs> All right. I really back- wanted you to say Glee just for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> back to Tara. Yep. How's Andy? How's Andy? How's Andy? <laughs> Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is correct. Cliffhanger from Twin Peaks. Kim. Yeah. Here is your third question. You don't have to do this. What's the show? Cliffhanger from what show? That feels like something we just watched. Um... Are you trying to give me a hint, Tara? No, I don't know. Are you know. trying to throw know. me off the trail? Neither, neither. Typical Tara. <laughs> um, I'm going to take the hint, the first All hint. All right. The mishaps of two drug dealers trying to survive in the complicated and corrupted world of crime, leading them to the point of working for money to working to survive, all starting with an honest... Breaking Bad? Yep, that was Gail oh, buying it. That was Gail. Uh, yeah. My sweet, sweet Gail. Okay. Uh, Tar- uh, Sarah, Sarah, here is your clue. It's not what it looks like. Kimberly. 
is good for three points all right that was round one some pretty famous cliffhangers there but in round two we're going into space all right so that is this is joe's yes here you go joe remember we're in the space round now here's your cliffhanger clip congratulations to both of you you've carried out a very difficult and dangerous mission and you did it Despite any personal misgivings you may or may not have had. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Also, I think TV sitcoms should be capped to three seasons. <laughs> um, Miami Vice! Uh, Battlestar Galactica. You are correct. That is the boomer cliffhanger from Battlestar Galactica. Okay, uh, we are back to Tara. Mm-hmm. I know this isn't the Anna that you knew. What I am is what was made in her. A new personality. She can never come back. But I can love you as well as she did. Jump. Jump. Uh, I will take a hint, please. Okay. A giant five-mile-long cylindrical space station orbits a planet in neutral space at crossroads of interstellar commerce and diplomacy. Is this Star Trek Deep Space Nine? I wasn't done with the clue. Oh. All right. So I'm going to let you uh, take back that that answer. (laughs) Okay. Commander Sinclair must try to establish peace and prosperity between various interstellar empires, all the while fighting forces from within the Earth Alliance. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. It's a precarious command, particularly given that the sabotage led to the destruction of... Okay, give me the next clue, because I still don't know. All right. Led to the destruction of dun, 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 Babylon stations one, two, three, and four. <laughs> Is it Babylon five? <laughs> Long clue, go. but I think we can agree. <laughs> Worth it. Yeah. All right, that is good for one point. And that's, uh, uh, that's some good storytelling there. Yeah. Uh, here we go for Kim. Yes. I assume Captain Cisco removed or destroyed everything of value. Not everything. What is that? A message from Cisco. I don't understand. He's letting me know. He'll be back. Lots of good clues there, Kim. What's that show? I wish you could see the look on my face because it is a <laughs> mixture of confusion and, I don't know, disgust. Um, I should mention that I was so glad I was not on last week when you guys did the All Space one because I literally have never watched a show set in space in my life, and that includes like Battlestar Galactica and all of those. So this is not going to be my round, and I will take the clue, please. Okay. Orbiting the liberated planet of Bajor, the Federation space station. That's the end of the clue? Yep. Okay. Cliffhanger clue. Um, do you need the second clue? Um, Sure. 
The Federation Space Station, Deep Space Nine, guards the opening <laughs> of a stable wormhole to the far side of the galaxy. What's that show? Is it Deep Space Nine? I'm going to need the full title, please. Really? Yep. Um, really? Star Trek Deep Space Nine? That is good for oh, one wow. point. Usually not so pedantic, a- but the Star Trek is a pretty important part. Of Guys, I wasn't answer. even sure that was a Star Trek based show. Which I don't know of this topic. I just said it. So. Yep. Yeah. All right, Sarah. I was thinking about myself, Tara. Fair enough. We're getting into some descriptions now. The team goes to a gate address discovered by Daniel Jackson. This turns out to be Apophis's ship where they find that Skakara has been made host to Aphos's son, Corel. Shut up, sci-fi. Uh, the ship reaches Earth, and the fate of the world hangs in the balance. I got none of those names right, except for Daniel Jackson. But fuck it, it doesn't matter. Um, Stargate SG-1. I was going to say, wow. the part seems key. Yeah. Good job, Sam. All right. Um, <laughs> all right, Joe. For three points, a man known as the Thinker has hacked into the U.S. Department of Defense mainframe and uncovered 50 years worth of proof that the government has been dealing with aliens. Our title characters race against time to distinguish truth from lies, uncover the secrets, and survive them. Our title characters, eh? So that kind of rules out the X-Files. I'll take the hint. Yeah, I don't know why it says that, actually. Uh, you might want to say X Files. Okay, then I, that would have been my guess. X Files. So terrible clue. Ter- <laughs> terrible clue. Number seventeen. Spread eagle. While peace talks on the USS Saratoga go awry, the disgraced fifty-eighth are sent to retrieve POWs trapped in a crippled space APC armored personnel carrier i believe that stands for several space enemy fighters attack and the 58th take heavy losses it is discovered the chigs are only offering that sounds racist but it's yep. not i hope are only offering peace because they know earth's military will defeat them Woo. okay hint the earth is embroiled in a desperate war against hint Alien Invaders, and this series focuses on one squadron of marine pilots involved in it. Oh, my God. I, I'll give you this extra clue. Uh-huh. It is contemporary with X-Files, actually, I believe. Uh, Alienation? Never... I don't know. Yeah, no. Mm. Okay, I don't know. Space Above and Beyond. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, Kim. Yes. Laura is afraid of Baltar's increasing popularity since, since he proposed to settle down in the new but hostile planet which has been discovered by the fleet. Okay, I'm going based on the character names, and my husband watched this show as he watched most of the shows in this round. Battlestar Galactica. That is good Yay. for three points. Thank Thanks, you, Jim. Jim. Yay. <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting. Bunting. <laughs> to the... Sarah D. Boynton, you now draw funny cars. Oh. <laughs> I mean cows. Uh-huh. screwed up. We're both down. Uh-huh. To avoid a tenacious enemy, Eli suggests that they use the stasis pods for the crew and jump to the next galaxy, a trip that will take three years. All goes well until they realize that one of the pods has been damaged and one person will have to stay behind in the hopes of fixing the unit in short time or die. Hint. 
<laughs> the previously unknown purpose of the ninth Chevron is revealed and ends up taking a team to an ancient ship, Destiny. That's the name of the ship. A ship built millions of years ago by the ancients, used to see distant galaxies with... Stargates. <laughs> Which um, one of the 12 Stargates show is yes. this? Oh, God, yes. Stargate 2525. <laughs> Stargate Universe. God, Yo, I don't even think I ever thing. knew that one existed. <laughs> yeah. You made that up. For Joe, Caffrey and Kavanaugh go out to a town called Allenville in search of a doctor who they think is infected and find more than they were looking for. Meanwhile, things get heated with the pregnancy of the infected woman coming to an end. Ew. Caffrey and Kavanaugh, huh? Yeah. Go to a town called Allenville. Hint, please. A team of experts are assembled after the U.S. Navy discovers an... Ah. Um, Argate? <laughs> uh, what's the rest of it? Extraterrestrial object briefly appeared near a ship ne- in the Atlantic Ocean. I'm going to give you a hint, Joe, because I'm feeling generous today, because this is a hard round. It's one of those shows from the three shows that was uh-huh. on at that one point in our history okay. that we can't remember which one is which. <clears throat> Post loss. Oh, oh, yes. Except I, those titles are like lost to the yep. recesses <laughs> yep. of my yeah. brain. It's like, it's one word uh-huh. and it maybe has, begins with a vowel. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know it. Is it invasion? Nope. It's not invasion. Wait, is it surface? Is it, wait, wait, it's not wait, surface. I, it's the other is it one? It's the other one. Of <laughs> those threshold? shitty shows, it's the one people remember the least. It is, what is it? Threshold. Yeah. Threshold. threshold. Oh. Well, I'm happy I, to tell you guys that round is over. All right, this is round three. One is all you get. Shows that ended on a cliffhanger after one season, never to be heard from again. Okay. All right? Yes. Tara. Yes. Mark finds out the date of the next blackout, and Dimitri and Simon attempt to stop it. Everyone discovers if the visions they had of the future actually come true. Is this um, flash forward? That is correct for three points. Kim. Yes. In the middle of a hurricane chaos, Russell and Tom make a brave rescue bid. Brett and friends take Larkin, Dave, Jesse, and Rose hostage, which leads to a terrible accident for Larkin. Tom must make an important decision that could risk everything. I feel like I recapped this show. <laughs> I definitely recapped Flash Forward. I knew that one, although I wasn't couldn't remember the name. Uh, invasion? Hey. Nice. I knew there was right, a hurricane. So, yeah. Well done. Okay, um, for Sarah, lucky you, you get a clip. What, what time is it? 8.30? You going to drive me? What? Registration's at 9. Yeah, I'm sure. I was just... Look at this. He lives. <laughs> Hey, Rex, could you grab me a water? Michael? Okay. (laughs) 
I'm perfect. <laughs> oh, that sounds so familiar. Oh, it really does. I'm going to need a hint. After a car accident takes the life of a family member, a police detective lives to... Oh, it's that thing. Oh. But what was it called? <laughs> uh, I need another hint. Lives to... Alternating parallel lives, one with his wife and one with his son. Is one of his realities merely a dream? Uh, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, I don't remember it, and it's not now and again. It is Awake. Awake! Awake. Yeah. Uh, Tough one. All right, Joe. (laughs) The final scene of the series ended with Lily discovering Mateo lying on the ground after being shot as his family's cocaine field burned in the background. (laughs) Oh, damn it. Oh, what was that called? Cocaine field. Oh, Maybe that's man. what it was called. Probably not. <laughs> um, can I get the, the, the hint? This series is set in a remote South American village where seven doctors search for... Oh. Cocaine fields? Maybe it's not the thing that I thought it was. Is this off the map? Hey! Yes. Yes. I did that recap this one. each of them to medicine. Well, that seems like a kind of a lame thing. To Yikes. Do. That was off the map. That is a good pull. Damn. Good job, I recapped it. I, oh, I okay. had forgotten that I did, but I did. Okay, Tara. Yes. Rebecca finds the man who killed her partner. The episode includes a recreation of the chase scene in Bullet. Hint. In 1963, all the prisoners and guards mysteriously disappear from... Hint. Alcatraz. In the present day, they resurface, <laughs> and a secret agency are tasked with oh, recapturing them. I have no fucking idea, so I'm just going to say the event. Alcatraz. Alcatraz. With an exclamation Alcatraz? point. Oh, my God. <laughs> with an exclamation So point. it is ready for a Broadway Alcatraz 77. Show. Boy. Da-da-da-da. There's no escaping from Alcatraz. You're here <laughs> for life. <laughs> 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 Whose turn is it, please? Kim. 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 <laughs> the colonists are becoming sick from an unknown illness. While in virtual reality, a man appears to Morgan and instructs, instructs him to an old Earth ship, which they discover still has nuclear power and occupants in cold sleep. Two scientists survive the revival and reveal the cause for the illness. Julia finds out Riley is actually a computer program. Oh, my. <laughs> Boy, I can't understand why this one only got one season. (laughs) Um, Hint, please. Colonists crash-landed on an alien planet, began the long trek to their originally designated landing place, facing both... I feel like that clue is actually what I just said. Yeah, second part of the hint. Facing both alien and human threats. (laughs) Uh-huh. I have oh. zero. Like, this doesn't even ring a bell. I'm going to say. Uh, oh, yeah. sorry. Thank you. No, Take that's it. fine. No. Go ahead. All right. I'll give you a clue. The number two is in it. <laughs> too fast, too furious? No. Earth close. Two? Earth two. Yep. No. Oh, dear. Earth two. All right. Uh, Sarah. Yep. When Faye is captured by the witch hunters, Jake, Melissa, and Adam set out to save her. Blackwell wants to unleash the power of the crystal skull and tries to convince Cassie and Diana that their Balcoin blood is the only way to stop the witch hunters permanently. Meanwhile, Don and Charles discover a way to get their powers back, but one 
comes at a very big cost. Hint. Yeah. <laughs> 16-year-old Cassie Blake moves to Chance Harbor, Washington to live with her grandmother after her mother mysteriously dies. She discovers she's a... I think we already know the answer to this. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Keep going. Which, along with five other teens. So it sounds like, if I'm doing the math right, we got about 16 witches in this show. I don't know. Anybody? No. Secret Circle? The Secret Circle. Oh, yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Joe, for three yes. points, in a race to stop the virus, Roger Bart and Roma Mafia guest star. That's it? <laughs> That's it. That's the cliffhanger hint. <laughs> oh, just that one show that Roma Mafia guest starred on. Okay. <laughs> hey, look. Uh, this show is just giving people what they want. Roger Bart by the barrel. <laughs> And a virus. I was going to say, and a virus. All right, I'll take the, the, the first hint. When a man goes looking for his missing girlfriend, he stumbles upon a... Oh, damn. <laughs> Cocaine field? I want to guess, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear the rest of it. What's Government of conspiracy it? that is bigger than the president himself. Oh. That's not what I thought it was. Um, and yet it still possibly could be. Is it Wayward Pines? Mm. It is the event. And I just realized he's put the exclamation points on a lot of these answers. So I don't think Alcatraz had an exclamation point. But let's pretend it did, please. (laughs) Okay, back to Tara. Yeah. Four three points. On the season finale, Drill's mysterious endgame is put into motion, and the team must do their utmost to stop it before it reaches its final and possibly deadly conclusion. And An unseen force is manipulating society's most innocent, our... Dogs? Children to act in favor of its cause. As the kids unwittingly help this unknown enemy, the clock counts down to the suspenseful race to save humanity. Um. I don't know. The whispers. Never even heard of it. Is that that what the whispers was about? Yeah. Okay, uh, it is. Oh, I did hear that. I watched the first one. Whoops. (laughs) Sydney and her sister Samantha are reunited, and along with Duncan, they go into virtual reality to discover what really happened the night of the car crash. It turns out there was no car crash. Sydney's memories were altered by her father to protect her from the committee. A faction of the committee is after Sydney. Oliver is assigned to murder Sydney, but rebel. Oh, but she rebels. Sydney goes into VR7 to rescue her mother from her coma. I remember the show. Oh no. Never um, watched it, but I remember it. I don't, so I'm going to ask for the first part of the clip. Young woman Sydney works at a telephone company, and she is sure that her father, Dr. Bloom, and sister died after an accident. Sydney's hobby is to play with virtual reality. She has found an ability in herself to enter the human mind using. Uh, second clue? Virtual. Using VR Virtual Reality 5. Um, is it called VR5? It is called VR5. Whoa! (laughs) What a guess. Well well, well worked out. (laughs) Okay, Sarah. With the possible return of Roger on the horizon, everyone is concerned with the consequences if the founder were to find out. Now, aware of the truth about the machine the founder has been using him to train in, Stephen needs John and Kara's help to destroy it. Meanwhile, Russell and others have lost hope that they will ever find the refuge and choose to head out on their own. Hint. 
Up until a year ago, Stephen Jameson was a middle-of-the-road teenager until he began hearing voices and teleporting into sleep. That's when John, Kara, and Russell, the genetically advanced... Hint. Tomorrow people with the abilities to <laughs> teleport and communicate telepathically find him. Would this be the tomorrow people? <laughs> Correct. If you just Good. said tomorrow people, I was going to ask you for the full title. Thankfully, that is the end of were. that round. All right, next round. Canceled, but resolved. Okay. Shows that were canceled, leaving a cliffhanger, but were later resolved. Mm. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you Weird. ready, to, uh, Joe? Yes. Joe. Yes. Here you go. Yes, Joe. Hey, Hey guys, you want to grab a brewski? <laughs> what about those Lakers, huh? Just <laughs> my luck. I'm a sports fan among you. Oh, we cut out just as the theme song Melancholy Edition was playing, too. Uh, that's Alf. That is Elf. And uh, fun fact, this comedy series ends with Elf being sent off to be tortured and dissected. Yay! Yep. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. Hey. All right. This Neat. one is for Tara. Emma, you can't defuse that bomb. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um hint okay uh the adventures of a deranged and dumb police detective <laughs> deranged and dumb yep further hint who always looks for the most violent solution to any problem uh sledgehammer <laughs> Oh my Sledge god! Is correct. <laughs> wow. So here's the deal with that: the show ended on a uh, nuclear bomb exploding, as oh we heard god. there, killing everyone because the people that ran the show thought they weren't going to get another season, so they decided to do that, and so they got renewed, and the second season was a prequel set five years before the first season. I really wanted Tara to just yell "McGruber!" <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is time for Kim's clue. Yes, you and your timing. I love you. Timing. Uh, clue, please. Astronaut and astrophysicist John Crichton becomes stranded on the other side of the universe when his uh, second part of the clue. Farscape module goes through a wormhole. Farscape. <laughs> One point. Yep. Cancelled and then brought back as a miniseries to end the storyline. Uh, it is time for Sarah's clue. Get ready. Strap yourself in. Here you go. You're outmanned, and you're outgunned. There's too many of us, and we are too desperate to give up. You cannot win this. 
I'm giving you one last chance. Walk away. Put your guns down and return to town, and no one else will be harmed. Jake, I need an answer. What's it gonna be? <sighs> Nuts. <sighs> if it's not this, I don't know what it is, so fuck it, Jake 2.0. <laughs> All right. Uh, incorrect. I'm just going to lead you to the very last word of that clip as your clue. Nuts. A Nuts. show that was canceled oh, and revived. Is it Jericho? It's Jericho. Fucking oh, Jericho. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I never uh, understood Joe. what that even meant. Yes. An ongoing search for a serial killer is marred by bizarre occurrences and a disclosure of the group's experimentation with radical brain surgery. <laughs> Frank and Jordan decide to go into hiding while Watts suffers a gunshot wound to the head that happens off screen. Ooh, jeez. Some kind of wonderful? <laughs> um, uh, hint, hint. A former FBI profiler with the ability to look inside the... Continue. Mind of a serial... Uh, sorry, mind of a killer begins working for the mysterious Millennium Group. Okay. <laughs> Millennium. Millennium, correct. And uh, let's turn that one into a Broadway show, too, please. And thank you, Tara Ariano. <laughs> yes. One half of Vivian and Lily's old rival synchronized swimming team is eaten by a shark during a what? show, which provides Vivian and Lily with an opportunity to revive their career. Oh, this has got to be Pushing Daisies? That is correct. <laughs> uh, that is from the episode Kerplunk. Kerplunk. Nice pull. Amazing. Yeah. Kim. Yeah. The gang at Jam Pony find out Max and Alex are transgenics. Transgenics. <laughs> after a young X6 and pregnant X5 take cover inside the building as an angry mob and police gather outside. The Conclave sends elite warriors, <laughs> the Phalanx, after Max. Oh my god. Jam Pony seems like a hint. But I don't yeah. know how. Um, I have an idea, Max? but I feel like this show went more than one season. Although I guess it this could. is just this one season. It just it. means it got canceled. Right. Shows that got right. canceled and were brought back from the dead. Is, yeah, uh, I'm gonna go for the clue though. First part. A group of genetically enhanced children escape from a lab project. Years yeah. later, we meet Max, one of the escapees who now works for a messenger service in the. It's Dark Angel. Oh, Pacific, nice. uh, post -apoc that was my guess, but I wasn't sure. Northwest. All right. Uh, Sarah. Yeah. The gang team up with man in black agent Morris Felcher. Fletcher. Felcher. Sorry. The gang sorry, team up is. with man in black agent Morris. Fletcher <laughs> to find Yves. What they uncover is Romeo 61, a secret government organization responsible for decades of major incidents. I'm much less interested in the show now that it's Fletcher and not Fletcher. <laughs> I know. Um, the Lone Gunman? You are correct. Hey, wow. Nice. All right. Nice done. one. I do like a show with a Felcher. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we all love Felchers. Let's get over it. Okay, so Joe Reed, 
Matt and Kathy struggle with their romantic feelings for one another, while George and Matt's partnership slash relationship may implode due to George's promotion over Matt and a plot to exterminate the tech tectonese race via a deadly bacteria. Oh, I thought I had a guess, and then it went in a totally other direction. Me too. <laughs> So it's not Heart of Dixie then? <laughs> Copy that. Uh, uh, hint, please. Uh, as newcomers, fugitive slaves from the planet Tecton, Detective George Francisco and his family face... Continue. Prejudice and intolerance as they struggle to assimilate to life on their adopted planet. Alienation? Alienation for <laughs> one wow. point. Nice. Well done. Oh shit. What's happening? Who will win this cliffhanger game time? Who has the cliffhanger knowledge to take this week's game time point? Who goes home in defeat and who reigns supreme? These and many other questions will be answered in tomorrow's extra hot great mini. This has been a production of the Previously.tv Podcast Network.